um, this is not something that I, I uh, share a lot. Talking with Pastor Ian is so refreshing. We had a chance to visit. We met the first time in Buffalo, and we had a chance to visit today. And I love hearing his heart. You know, you get to a point in time in life when you do what you do, and you've done it for so long. I've been to thousands of churches in the last 28 years all over the world and sung in a lot of stages and seen a lot of good, a lot of bad, everything in between. And you just get to a point where you know God is changing your assignment in life. Sometimes it's voluntary. <laughs> Sometimes it's forced. <laughs> but your assignment begins to change. I don't tell this a lot. I know we're probably live streaming, but I'll say this much. Singing and traveling, I got, got saved at the age of 12, which was about seven years ago now. And we see the, oh, Lord, lying in the church. Um, it was a long time ago. And I got saved at the age, age of 12 and got married real young. And to make a long story short, uh, many years ago, ended up in a divorce after 30 some odd years. And uh, I, I was just going through a period of life where I was tired, I was depleted, I was broken. And I did tell God, if I never sing again, it's fine. Um, everything I had, I lost. It was fine. I didn't care if I lived, you know, in the back of a shelter. I was tired and weary and overwhelmed. Thank you. Thank you. Two, three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now I sound like Pastor Ian, eh? <laughs> a little more, a little more. Yeah, I like this one better. My voice sounds like Barry White now. Right on, right on. <laughs> oh, Lord, Jesus has left the building. <laughs> and so uh, just depleted and overwhelmed with life. And um, we're not going to tell the whole story because it doesn't really matter. We all got our stories. Uh, about a year or so ago, a little over a year ago, I came off the road, didn't know what to do with the next chapter of my life. Um, my wife and I had been traveling, my wife Joy, we have been traveling a lot and thousands and thousands and thousands of miles and millions of miles in a period of few years. And the world began to change, church changed, everything changes anyway, that's just the way it is. I mean, when I first started singing 30 years ago, we had cassettes. Some of, some of you sitting here right now saying, cassette? Grandmother, what's a cassette? <laughs> Tell them at the service, you know. And uh, and what we have now with technology is is, is amazing. Even myself, I, I I talk to Siri all the time, you know, because <laughs> she talks back and she doesn't disrespect. Well, she does disrespect sometimes, but that's a whole story. But it's just amazing all the things that have happened. But but I came off the road and about uh, I didn't know what to do with my life in this next chapter. And long story. I started working at an RV dealership, selling RVs. Uh, and I did it for about 14 months. I, I, just, I just quit about a week ago. And even though I was selling RVs, I was traveling a little bit, but not as much. I didn't have the fire. I wanted to attend, you know, my wife and I have now been married a little bit over five years, and I wanted to be the best husband I possibly could be. My kids are all, all grown, and I wanted to be the best father, because I focused on ministry for most of my life. And I wanted to focus on family. And I, I can't tell you that I knew how to be a good family man. My generation didn't really, that wasn't a big deal. I mean, it was a big deal, but, but pulpit ministry was everything. That's why I applaud you for how your family is a part of what you're doing. A lot of churches I go to, the kids don't even want to go to church anymore, you know. 
And uh, so God needed to realign my focus. And I spent, Joy and I both, I, I spent um, three years, every single day, I studied about marriage and family. I studied about validating. Because my wife and I come from two different backgrounds, two different cultures. She's, she's a white Canadian girl from Kitchener. <laughs> I'm a black homeboy from Brooklyn. <laughs> and her mother had five kids. Her mother had five kids and her mother never raised her voice. I love my mother-in-law, I love her. She's about this high. And I can just take her up and throw up in the air and just catch her. For, she's the most amazing woman ever. I love my mother-in-law. And, uh, but she never raises her voice and had five kids. And to her, it would just be me. She, I said to her, I said, I said, Mom, have you ever raised your voice before at the kids? She said, oh, my. I did one time. And the preacher was at the door. I was so embarrassed. He came to visit. I said, well, what did you say? I said to the boys, boys, you clean up your room right now. I said, that was raising your voice? You ain't been to Brooklyn. You didn't hear Margie Slaughter. My mother would say, boy, if you don't clean up your room, I'll kill you. I'll kill you dead. I said, Ma, there's only one way to kill a person that's dead. Boy, you better shut your mouth. So we came from two different cultures. So when Joy and I would have a, well, we didn't have fights. We had intense fellowship. <laughs> when Joy and I would have discussions, I would say, well, baby, you must, you must understand. And so she goes, why are you yelling? I'm not yelling. What do you mean I'm yelling? I'm not yelling. I'm just passionate. So, so I had to learn. I had to relearn. And God really spoke to my heart and he said, baby your wife. I said, baby, what are you talking about, Lord? I don't understand. He said, talk to her gently and calmly. Because even in church, I grew up in a black Baptist church that turned Pentecostal. <laughs> so when I started traveling in 1990, I was going to churches. Brooklyn Tabernacle was a multicultural church. But I started traveling and I would go to churches of all the different races and backgrounds. I mean, all different styles of worship. Some people worship quiet. Some people worship loud. Some people like hymns. Some people like hill songs. I mean, there were church splits going on all over the place over the type of music that was being done. And I had to learn things differently. I mean, like... Like, I would go to churches in the early 90s. They would sing songs like Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. I remember being at this big Baptist church in Springdale, Arkansas, very conservative and prestigious. And it's, that saved a wretch like me. I mean, every note was in place. And I loved it. But they didn't sing it like that where I grew up. Preacher would come out with a long black robe, the biggest King James Bible he could find. Because any other version was a perversion. Preacher grabbed the microphone. He didn't have a hand towel. He had a beach towel. He was prepared to work. He came to work. He didn't come to dab. He came to work. He grabbed the microphone. He had Stacy Adams shoes. Young people don't know what that is. White stitches on the side. Stacy Adams shoes. Black leather high tops. He said, Deacon Williams. Because there's a Deacon Williams in every black church. And it's not Williams, it's Williams. He said, Deacon, why, why don't you sing Amazing Race? And the Deacon would go, yeah. The Deacon would grab the microphone and fix his face ugly. 
Because you got to get ugly when you're singing for God. Some of y'all are way too pretty. Let me see you look ugly for Jesus. Oh, yeah, you got it. One, two. I see it. I see He would go. That's why we had six hour services because it took three hours to sing Amazing Grace. And I came from that kind of background and culture. Now I married this, this woman who is very quiet in nature and who spent most of her life, most of her adult life, being a missionary to Haiti to the poorest people in the Western Hemisphere. And uh, she raised up schools, five schools and three churches, millions of dollars that God used her to bring in from people who just gave small offerings to bless the people of Haiti, and her hands never got sticky. She gave it all, most of it all, to the people in Haiti to bless them. And then she marries this wild and crazy guy from Brooklyn, New York, who travels all over the world in a new place every single week at the time. And, and because of life and overwhelm, I got tired, and we go through this divorce, and we were shunned in some places, and that's okay. I, I understand. Some places don't want a, a divorce gospel sing. I get it. Matter of fact, one of my mentors said, who's going who's gonna to invite you? I'm honored that you have me here today. And he said, oh, who's going to have you, a divorced gospel singer? And I hung up and my heart was broken. And I get it. But then if I would have, I got a little bold once I got off the phone. <laughs> you ever had that happen? <laughs> and what came to me is, well, maybe I won't sing for you, but I'll sing to all the divorced people, which is 50% of your church. <laughs> So God brought us on this journey. It was so hard walking into the, into the uh, dealership. My time is running. But I, walk, I go and I kick this job at an RV dealership. I know nothing about RVs. I know nothing about motor vehicles. I just know how to start and drive. And, and they hire me. I'm like, why did they do that? <laughs> and I work there. And... Because I'm in this sheltered environment of traveling and singing all the time, my first week there, the first five days there, I had heard more curse words than I'd heard in my entire life. <laughs> but while I was there, God gave me a love for the people that were there. And God gave me moments, and I said, Lord, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing here. Do I go and take somebody to the back and tell them the seven spiritual laws? And I don't know. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, just let your light shine. And they know that I loved my wife. They know that I love my kids. They know that I love my God. 
but they also knew that I was a broken man. They knew that I had reached great levels of success. They knew that I got to a place in my life where I didn't want that anymore. I wanted something else. Success means nothing if, if my family is left behind. And I wanted to be a good husband. I wanted to be a good father. And in the process of this last 14 months, I've learned something. Maybe I can share with you if you're in a place in your life where life has become so overwhelming and the devil whispers in your ear and the accuser of the brethren tells you it's a waste of time. That's what God does all the time. With my present, my, pres my, my beautiful wife, Joy, when we were on the road, it was such a tough thing for her. She wasn't used to early flights and this. I mean, every time we'd get back home, I had to take her to the chiropractor to get the adjustment. She was just all tied up, just tight. And um, it was just an amazing, amazing thing to learn in the process some of the things that God has taught me. And I want to share just, a, I'm not going to, I'm not going to belabor the point. I just want to share because in that period of time, I, I be honest, I was embarrassed. Pastor Tommy Reed, who I've sung in his church many, many times through the years, one day I met the dealership about three or four months ago. I met the dealership. And in comes this guy who looks like Tommy Reed. Guess what? Yeah, you're right. It was Tommy Reed. You must be a prophet. And it's Tommy Reed. So I go and I, I hide in the back because I don't want Tommy Reed seeing me sell RVs. I'm the guy that's traveled all over the world, made 10 albums, been over, blah, 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 blah. And, I, and now I, I don't even care to do that ever again. And Tommy Reed comes in, and one of the other salesmen, I said, one of the salesmen, hey, you go take care of that guy. So he said, okay. So he talks to him. But for some reason, he didn't stay with him. Tommy went out into the lot and started walking in and out of RVs. So he came back, and I said, where'd he go? He said, he just want to look at RVs. I said, okay. I said, did you catch his name? He said, um, yeah, I think he said his name was Tommy. I said, oh, man. So I said, I'm staying back here till he leaves. <laughs> and while I'm back there, the Spirit of the Lord speaks to me and says, go out there and say hello to to Tommy Reed. It's, it's not like a voice. It's like, it's like a song in your head. You know, if, if I tell you right now to sing a song in your head, you can do it. Like right now, sing Beat It by Michael Jackson. Go. Okay, see, it's in your head right now. All right, out. Take it out. Take it out of your head. And so, it was like a song in my head, and the Spirit of the Lord says, go and talk to, 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 to Bishop Reed. I go, I don't want to go out there. And I, kind of, I was thinking also he's going to judge me because I went through divorce years ago. And not that he was like that, just the devil, the accuser of the brethren speaks to you and he tells you these things that are not true. They're lies to defeat you from accomplishing and being all that God wants you to be. And so I mustered up the courage. I mustered, I mustered up the courage. And I went out there and I went looking for him and I was hoping I wouldn't find him. Then I can tell God, I did. He ain't there. <laughs> sure enough, I go in and there he is. Rats. I said, uh, hey, Bishop Reed. He goes, uh, hello. You know, he said, Alvin, is that you? I was getting ready to like use a fake Jamaican accent. <laughs> go, no, man, my name Winston. My name Winston from Kingston, Jamaica. How God puts up with me. 
So I said, uh, yes, sir. He said, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing good. I said, you want to you buy an RV? He said, no, I just came to look. He said, let's go inside and talk. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> so we go inside and we sit in the lounge. And he just talks gently to me. No, nothing. Just didn't, you know. And then he left. You know, he, he said later, he said that he wasn't even looking for an RV. He said he was driving by. He passed by a million times because the church is right down the street. He said, and he just decided to turn in one day. That God would love me that much. That a man of God would be driving down the street and he'd have him turn in just to say, hey, man, it's good to see you and I love you. Do you know how much God cares about you? The enemy tells you that you are defeated, that you are wasted, that you have failed too much, that your family background doesn't have this, that, and the other, and guess what? You might as well curse God and die. But I tell you this morning that every curse, every pain, everything that the devil has made to make you feel insignificant, we bind it now in the name of Jesus. We'll have to walk through it. So he invites me to sing at this meeting that he's having with pastors. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I really want to go because all the preachers are there. And, you know, I'm an RV salesman now. <laughs> but I go and I sing. Guy, this young, handsome, strapping young man takes the offering. He had white hair, white beard, thin, just like me. <laughs> didn't know, didn't know his name. I'm saying that by faith, that I'd be like you, not you like me. That'd be a problem. <laughs> and so, and here I am this morning. He invites me to come, and here I am this morning standing in front of people most I've never met to sing about a God who is still able to do exceeding and abundantly above all we can ask or think. For those of you who are broken, and I just, I just quit my job a week ago Saturday, and God has been opening doors to go back out and to sing and minister and whatever, and some business things. I'm open to whatever he wants. I have no preconceived ideas. Pastor and I were talking about it. I have no, I don't have any uh, mold to say, God, I don't say, God, here's my plan. Would you bless it? Now I say, God, what is your plan? It's already blessed. And you didn't even know it, that even right where you sit, with all that you've been through, your steps are ordered by God. My prayer for you this morning is that God, for those who are hungry and those who are desperate, that God would give you fresh faith, fresh fire, fresh anointing, fresh vision, fresh purpose. Anybody here desperate for a fresh touch from God? So here's my prayer. Caleb, would you, would you get rain down ready for me? We're going to skip those things. We're going to get right there. And I'm not going to ask you to come. I'm just going to ask you to stay right where you are. My prayer this morning is that God... There are people here who need a fresh touch, healing of their minds, healing of their souls, healing of their emotions, healing of their spirits, healing of their relationships. They need healing. 
And so, God, I pray that you would send fresh rain on them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Anybody here who is in need of healing, just raise your hands right where you are. Whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, you're in need of healing. In Jesus' name. God, I pray today that where they are in a dry place, that out of their belly shall, out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. Give them beauty for ashes and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God, give them fresh faith, holy boldness, fresh courage, as we say. Holy Spirit, Rain down, rain down, oh comforter and friend, how we need your touch again. chapter in the 26th verse says this David said for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God and then when you go down to the 36th verse 1 Samuel 17 36 verse it says this it says your servant killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And I'm going to tell you, the, you can leave that up if you will. One of the things I realize in order for us to have the courage to fly, and to have the victory that God has for us in 2018. I learned right here from this scripture. I was reading it and something jumped out at me. That David was a guy 
who really was not a soldier at the time. He was just a guy who just kind of took care of the animals in the field, a shepherd boy. But God used him to defeat the enemy. So here are some of the things that I have learned. I'm going to say it real quick. Some of the things I have learned in order to gain your victory as you move forth in 2018. Number one, this is not in any order. You must identify your enemy. David knew that this Philistine, he called him an uncircumcised Philistine. You must identify your enemy. Now, your enemy might even be something that is not physical. Your enemy could be depression. Your enemy could be the pain that you're still feeling because of abuse that happened to you at some time in your life. Your enemy could be a relationship that is very harmful to you and you're not sure what to do. You must identify what your, what your enemy is. Number two, you, you, must have, you must have grit. I, I have a book that I'm reading and the one determinate factor the one determinate factor that decides whether a person is going to be successful at something in their life is not their education, it's not even their experience, it's their grit. They have to be like Paul who dug his heels in the sand and said, nothing will separate me from the love of God. Grit is like a Holy Ghost posture. David had posture. He, he, he ran towards Goliath when he was in the battle. He didn't run towards Goliath because because he was equipped per se as a soldier he ran because he knew the god that he served and god had given him what he needed while he was in the back the back side of a desert a slingshot he would use to kill a bear and a lion and he said that this uncircumcised philistine will not defy the armies of god and sometimes you have to speak to yourself my wife called from work the other day and, and was sick had a lot of pain in her legs at the same time, my brother dies on, on the, the next day. He's sick in the hospital and he dies. And the enemy kind of speaks to me, tries to bring a spirit of weariness and depression. And I got up off my seat where I was sitting. And I said, God, wherever my wife is right now, you touch her right now in the name of Jesus. And really, I'm going to tell you what I felt in my spirit. I felt when she gets home, your job is to rub her legs. And as you rub her legs, she's going to feel better. And I said, I will too. But that's a whole other story. got to have grit this next thing is you have to go forth you can't you can't just think about it you learn the most about yourself in practice not in theory you can't keep thinking about the things that you're going to do the plans you're going to have the business you're going to expand the the the, 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 the things that you're going to do in life you just can't keep thinking about it you got to do it and then you revise it as you go Talk with Pastor Ian this morning. I understand that this church started years ago. You've been in this place 10 years, but it started out and you had to go make some revisions along the way as you go. You can't sit there and think about it or there would have never been a church here. There'd never be a light, a light city. The next thing I learned is that you must lock arms with someone if you can. Listen, when you see on Facebook and all these different Instagram and people got all these friends, nobody has 10, 20 real friends. If you've got one or two real friends, that got your back no matter what you go through. If you go through a situation in life and it's bad, and your real friends will say, yeah, that was bad. Now what are we gonna do about it? The person who is, when you get a raise and you get a promotion in the job, they're happier for you than you are. That's a friend. There are three people that you will meet in your life and you gotta make sure you put them in the right category. One person is a comrade. 
comrade is the same person that you're gonna fight a battle, guess what? We both hate the neighbor, so now we're friends going against the neighbor. But the moment you like the neighbor, you're not my friend anymore, that's your comrade. The second one is a constituent. A constituent is someone who follows what you have. You're deciding that you're gonna be a Republican or a Democrat or a liberal or whatever it is. So I follow you because I'm your constituent. But the moment you change and go on the other side, I don't like you anymore. That's not a friend. So you have comrades, you have constituents. But the person that is a real friend is the person, the person that is a real friend is a confidant. A confidant is the person who is with you through thick and thin, overwhelming circumstances. You might have one of those, you might have two of those in your whole entire lifetime. You can't have 25 of them. It just doesn't work that way. So if you have someone, they may be someone who's far away. They might even be someone who you don't even know. There might be someone whose books you read, someone that you even watch on TV, someone that inspires you. Well, lock arms with them. When I say lock arms, it may not be physical arms. It may be emotional arms or spiritual arms. There are people that are mentors of mine that I have never met. But because when I read what they said, it spoke fresh faith into my life. I locked arms with them and God brought me from point A to point B. The next thing is, God will use what you have to produce what you need. Little becomes much when it's placed in the master's hand. You start with nothing. When I was growing up as, as, as a kid, phones, you couldn't talk to phones. You couldn't, you couldn't say things to phone. I couldn't tell Siri, I don't want to say it. I couldn't tell Siri to call my wife. I couldn't ask Siri what time, hey Siri, what time is it? Hey Siri, what time is it? It's 11.39 That's amazing to me. Hey, Siri, what time is it in Lagos, Nigeria? The time in Lagos is 9.40 a.m. That's just illegal. Hey, Siri, um, it's amazing to me. What began as a thought and what didn't even exist now exists because God will use what you have. When I was a kid, we, we, had a, we had a cartoon called Dick Tracy, and the guy had a phone, and he would speak to the boss on the phone. Those things didn't even exist. It wasn't even a thought. But someone took a thought and created a thing. God will use what you have. My wife and I are different. She's a, very much of a realist, and I'm a dreamer. I just dream everything, everything. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a cowboy, a doctor, an Indian, Batman, and the Joker. Some people have to see it to believe it. Others believe it before they can see it. Either way, you don't need motivation. You need good work habits. So what I'm saying is, is that if you're going through these situations of life and you're waiting for motivation and inspiration, that's wonderful. But if it never happens, in the doing is where you find the inspiration. I have never, in 28 years of singing, I have never, ever, ever, I hate to use personal references, I've never felt like singing before I got to a church. I'm a guy that just loves to serve. I'm not a type A personality at all. Preachers say to me, you ready to go out there and sing? And I go, yeah, but the reality is I'm not. I'm, I'm really introverted and shy by nature. So this is not a natural thing for me, but I've done it for a long time. So I'm not ready. But the moment that I get up 
And the moment I see people raising their hands and people singing, something happens inside of me and it ignites me. It's in the doing. If I sat out there and waited for inspiration to happen and motivation to happen, I would never do anything in my life. But it's in the doing. It happens even if you believe it, even if you don't believe it. Begin doing the thing that you believe God is speaking to you, the promptings that God is giving you in your spirit. The last thing, you have to keep your faith full. You have to keep your faith full, not being faithful. That's one part, but you have to keep your faith full. Listen, your money could be depleted, your body could be depleted, but don't you ever let your spirit become depleted. That's the reason why churches exist. That's the reason why places like this are existing because we come to this place so that we can hear words that breathe new lives inside of us so that we can believe for the things that we can't even see. So as we go into 2018, God is going to give you renewed courage, renewed faith, and renewed strength. If we can take these words and not just put it into our brain, but allow God to manifest it in our spirit. Caleb, Let's go to the song. The song says, Launch Out. I dedicate this song to everybody who is standing at a crossroads in your life. I dedicate this song to everybody who is looking for fresh vision from God. I prayed for years and years and years that, God, if, if, if you take away all my fears and my insecurities, I'll do great things for you. But I found out something. God doesn't take away your fears all the time, but he gives you courage and boldness to walk through your fears. So if you're here this morning and you're the one I'm talking to you, let's do launch out. Yeah, let's, um, let's bring that up. Let's start from the beginning and bring it up. My fault. I'm sorry, Caleb. Let's bring it way up. I, I dedicate this song to you this morning. There we go. If it's too loud, let me know. We'll take it down. Listen. Sometimes we hold on a little longer than we should. Letting go can be hard, but it's sometimes for our good. The fear of what's ahead sometimes makes us fall behind. We can see the times are changing, but pretend that we're so blind. Time to wake up 
make our dreams come true. Because time is always moving and it will not wait for you. The fear inside your mind can quench the fire in your heart. Yeah, sometimes where you end is where God wants to start. It's never easy when you're walking out by faith. Everything seems so different and new. But if we only learn to see through eyes of faith, we would see life in a different Launch out into the deep. Let your faith take you somewhere. Yeah. 